Welcome to Startup Build, the show where we discuss what it's like to build a tech startup and a startup ecosystem in a small city. I'm Mike Wolsfeld. Our host is Dan Gold, and joining him today is Wolf Keller of Ag West Bio. We are serving as a catalyst for developing and promoting the ag food bioeconomy in Saskatchewan and beyond. And Blaine Chartrand of Saskatchewan Polytechnic. Our graduates end up working out in the bioscience sector. Our program has been around for coming up 50 years, where we've been training people to respond to some of the original biotech that's been happening in Saskatchewan. In today's episode, we discuss how a region can benefit from playing to their strengths and how one city is continuing their long-standing history of biotech innovation to help feed the world and so much more. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place and Martin Charlton Communications. So here on Startupville, we talk to a lot of different organizations covering different areas of startups and technology. And in this episode, we're looking particularly at the biotech field. And we're really fortunate because we have many wonderful resources here in Saskatchewan. And that's clearly led directly to the growth of this market. Blaine, if we start with you, how did you get into doing what you do and why here? I originally wanted to work in a research lab at some point, and back early in my career, I decided to take a technical program because I saw it as a quick way to get into a job, and I moved into a job right away in the ag biotech sector, and since then, uh, I've gone on and become as, well, in t- actually in taking the same program, I'm program head for the same program that I started in. Uh, I was very interested in biotech and the bioscience field. There's lots of variety of opportunities for people, especially if you wanted to work in animal research or uh, working in ag biotech sector and plant research or anything in bioproducts or even the environment. And Wilf, how about you? How did you uh, go on your journey to get where you are today? Well, you know, I started off in Saskatchewan. I grew up here. I took university training here and I became intrigued with what was then referred to as plant cell and tissue culture that was preceding biotech, uh, the ability to to nurture plant cells in nutrient medium and regenerate or recover plants from individual cells and tissues. This formed an important base platform for the field of biotechnology. So I pursued studies in that area. I did graduate work and then I developed my career around using the biotechnologies to address crop improvement, particularly Canadian crops and specifically those that grow in Western Canada. What advantage do you find that our geography here gives us in the fields that you work in? So specifically geography, you mean locally uh, having an innovation place in Saskatchewan here and uh, situated on the north part of University of Saskatchewan campus. Mm -hmm. It's been great because we have the wealth of knowledge from the University of Saskatchewan and over 30 30 plus biotech companies in Saskatchewan, and a lot of them were situated here. Some of the early biotech happened at Innovation Place, and a lot of the startup companies started here, and then it actually became a catalyst, especially with AgWest Bio, for moving into bigger companies. 
In this part of the, the world, particularly on the prairies, and again specifically in Saskatchewan, uh, we have a tremendously important resource, and that's our land base. Uh, Saskatchewan has 42% of the cultivated land in Canada. Uh, we are a world leader in producing crops such as canola, wheat, barley, oats, peas, chickpeas, flax, and mustard, and, and others. Uh, this gives us a very strong position, and historically we have become a leader in commercializing uh, plant genetics and developing new varieties for production, for growing in fields, and uh, ultimately even for processing. This is a very critical resource because we have large-scale field plots here adjacent to the city, and a large number of companies and public sector groups do plant genetics in commercial, in, in a commercial setting to develop new varieties that are, that are then marketing to, marketed to producers. This asset sets us aside in many ways because we have all of these different crop genetics groups here and they form a base for collaboration for new company growth. And in fact, we even have companies that will do field plot work for you under contract. So this is a resource that's particularly significant for developing crops. So this podcast is about startups and and the world around them when i look at this area i i look at it and go hey the university is here that's a great resource agwest bio is here that's a great resource how do startups even get a look in on what's happening here do they do they primarily come through the commercialization from the university do they get attracted to this area is it a mix of the both um how does that work well, depending on what the relationship you're working with, some of the startups might start up by working with something like the National Research Council and maybe doing some uh, applied research with some of the universities. I know our Saskatchewan Polytechnic has an applied research program that I actively participate in. And small companies that are looking, or small medium enterprise that are looking for a startup opportunity can kind of go with places like that. Uh, of course, they go with AgWest Bio. AgWest Bio is um, involved in linking them, and Wilf can speak to that. And having some ideas that they can hopefully move towards innovation and, and um, market is one of the big things that we can do here at Innovation Place. Well, over the years, there's been a lot of effort in developing partnerships amongst organizations that assist companies, particularly new companies. And so we, we look at investment attraction, we look at f support for st startup companies, and uh, certainly to expand existing companies with, with new initiatives. And it's as I mentioned, it's a partnership agreement with my organization, AgWest Bio. We work closely with the office at the University of Saskatchewan responsible for industry development, uh, the National Research Council Industry Research Assistance Program is very active in this area. The federal government's Western Economic Diversification projects are also significant. And finally, the provincial government itself has two or three ministries that are involved in this area, Innovation Saskatchewan, the Ministry of the Economy, and the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture. And we collectively work as a team to, to introduce companies to this area and to assist them in their startup uh, challenges. So it seems to me that there's an awful lot of public money that goes into funding a lot of these startups, where a lot of the tech sector, the wider tech sector, seems to be either private funding or um, going to VC or however they fund their organisation. Is it purely the, um, the level of investment that's required means that really public sector is the only way to leverage that amount of resource? 
I don't think it's all public money. There, you do have to um, get some investors involved. I know some of the early companies in, in Saskatchewan had investors before we had large, uh, some government assistance. It also has to do with your uh, employee number as well. Having a big enough company to be able to actually um, access some of the funding is one of the big ones. A small company with such as with two to, two to three employers or employees is tougher for them to access funds than it is for a company that is larger. And being able to access funds, I think places like Innovation Saskatchewan and links from AgWest Bio is kind of the start for some of these startups just so that they can access uh, small funds and take their idea from uh, concept or uh, to a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a viable product. I'd like to build on that point because small companies and startups, uh, these are high-risk endeavors, and it's often hard to get private investment or venture capital investment at that very early stage. And this is a space where publicly-based funding needs to come in to move the, these companies up a bit further so they are then eligible for the private money. How does it work then for the return on the investment for the public funds? Is there a, a mechanism to that? Well, in, in the case of AgWest, we do have a system where we have a couple of options. Uh, we have a repayable loan system that we then uh, get uh, paid back in terms of the original loan and some interest. Uh, we are taking positions in, in some companies, and we would look for royalty payback and uh, other mechanisms in terms of fees that we might collect. Uh, our job is not to make a lot of money on this. Our main emphasis is on making companies become successful and standing on their own feet and contributing to the Saskatchewan economy through hiring people, uh, building new uh, infrastructure and uh, contributing to economic growth. Well, you and I have spoken previously about the importance of feeding the world and the number of people that are projected to be on the planet within X number of years, which is a startling figure. Do we see that projects that are happening here are really moving the needle in the rest of the planet? Uh, there would be uh, various examples where work going on here is relevant. Uh, we have the fairly newly established Global Institute for Food Security affiliated with the University of Saskatchewan, which takes a very broad global perspective. It runs major conferences every second year, and there will be one in June of 2018, to bring together world leaders in the area of new technology development that's relevant to world food security. Uh, this institute is developing new technology around, for example, imaging plants and looking at root development. That's a, a, a new frontier for further study that and more work is required in that space. Uh, our Agriculture Canada's field stations are doing a great deal of work in the area of carbon sequestration, soil management, soil health, dealing with climate change issues. So that we have a base here to address uh, security in the, in, the, in the broader perspective beyond what we have here in, in the Saskatchewan uh, zone. On top of food security, we also, because of our other clusters we have here, there's a lot more has to do with small startups here that are starting in with the environment as well and using using plants in the area to help clean up the environment. I know of a wetland production or wetland company in town that um, actually uses plants and a and water ecosystem to help clean up. So that ties in directly with some of the research that's being done, especially with U of S and their research. 
there's obviously a focus on production, sustainability, uh, environmental impact, improving the environment. The carbon sequestration story, I think, is one of the particularly interesting ones. There's many interesting stories. But Wilf, do you want to just briefly go into that? Because we're seeing with um, various global policies and different countries looking at banning diesel vehicles, etc. What can be done in the ag sector? We have a big advantage on the prairies, and certainly that includes Canada and the northern U.S. tier states, in that the nature of our soils is such uh, that we, we are able to undertake continuous cropping without intervening cultivation. And through continuous cropping of growing one crop after another, year after year, we are able to add carbon back into the soil. So when the the refuse and the stubble from an existing crop is left on the soil surface, it's degraded back into carbon. So we are actually capturing carbon Our soils are carbon sinks in Western Canada. This is significant. Millions of tons of carbon are sequestrated. Many parts of the world, this does not happen. Uh, There's actually a loss of carbon. So this is something to build on, and more research needs to be done. For example, canola is 50% more efficient than wheat in sequestering carbon. So this is an example of the type of work we need to pursue. When I speak to uh, other sectors of uh, tech and innovation, they talk about the importance of mentorship. When you're working in the areas in which you work in, how does mentorship fit into that? Well, um, from our from my program's perspective, we actually provide a good base of work, of a labor force that's skilled, and and the students that graduate from our program end up working in the biotech sector, where they are mentored by some of the in some of the latest in research and some of the latest in ag biotech sector, if we're looking at that sector, but also in some of the startup. And mentorship is very important. It allows us, I mean, at one point in time, Wilf was a bit of a mentor for me and and helped along with my career. He's actually helped with a lot of other careers as well. Just being able to introduce people, especially in, in, in the sector that we're in, being able to meet other people and get to know what their their area of expertise is in research is really big and having that mentorship is very important for career development. I absolutely agree and uh, we see a real need for mentorship for growing executives and managers of small companies and what we see as an opportunity is to approach those that are senior people in, in industry or have retired and twist their arms a little bit if they could be willing to assist and, and uh, help these new executives in finding their feet and moving forward. There's a lot of challenges uh, as you grow a company and having that experience behind you is really, uh, really very significant. We do have pathfinding and mentorship in, in our organization, but we do like to steer new companies to experienced people. So there's this classic thing, you can be very good at what you do, whatever your field is, but actually it comes down to being a good business person to an extent as well. Is there ever a time where you've seen someone come through your your different funnels, through your processes, where you go, there's a great opportunity, these are great ideas, but there needs to be a greater focus on administration and uh, someone needs to work with them who is maybe a bit more business savvy. I think you're right. There is uh, having that a little ability to, uh, especially in our little cluster here, where we have maybe two degrees of separation between people, where we, we are able to maybe see somebody who would could require some mentorship to to improve and also to, to become a better leader. and 
hooking them up with someone who has some really strong, strong leadership skills is actually really uh, valuable. AgWest Bio is great for that with their network and Innovation Place itself with all the additional clusters that we have. The communication between clusters has been excellent. There's indeed work and a challenge to, to work particularly with scientists coming out of public laboratories who do not have a lot of business skills and they sometimes really greatly over-evaluate the, 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 the value of their, their little business and so it takes quite a bit of work and negotiation to have them understand that they need professional help, that they don't necessarily have a billion dollar business right off the start and that the whole community and the, the pathfinding and mentorship part, I come back to that again, is, is really critical. Do you see any other clusters in different parts of the world where maybe they're not in the ag bio sector, real centers of excellence where they really do bring people through a process, where they help people with commercialization? Is there anywhere internationally or nationally that really stands out for you as a place where you really admire what they do? Food Valley in the Netherlands. That is a, a very sophisticated cluster. It has a mix of large and small companies, a lot of emphasis on horticulture and vegetable crops. They're tied in with several universities and they uh, do very well in terms of connecting, working cooperatively. And in fact, it is very much a super cluster, which is something that we're trying to develop in Canada with the current federal government innovation agendas. And, uh, the Denmark uh, group also with its dairy industry has developed a phenomenal cluster that grew out of public uh, work, out of producers coming together and developing cluster and they're world leaders in, in the dairy industry. And of course, uh, we can't forget uh, in North America, uh, the research triangle in, in North Carolina, which pulls together uh, three universities and major companies and is a hotspot for, for ag biotech. One of the clusters that comes to mind for me is in San Francisco, where some of the great movements towards synthetic biology has kind of taken over. Um, some of the early dot-com sector that was in, in San Francisco now are moving towards the small startups that are in the bioscience sector or synthetic biology sector, where they're making, or some companies are starting with bioproducts, and they're also working with ways to, using computer software, to help, help with some of the data management that's involved. And also, I mean, some of the technology has expanded so quickly in the biotech sector. Uh, some of the startups that are coming out of um, San Francisco, places such as uh, Genko Bioworks, uh, originally got in through synthetic biology. Lots of uh, other software companies that have since taken their software development ideas and used it for sequencing and uh, analyzing interaction between genes, things like that. You've brought me on to a really interesting place, and I find this interesting as someone from Europe, from the UK. How can we communicate on behalf of those startups, on behalf of the sector, to educate people as to the benefits of genetic engineering? I've been involved in discussing uh, biotechnology and, and how the technology plays a role in, in agriculture and food for over 20 years. And I started with the wrong assumption and the wrong approach. I started by trying to explain the technology itself, the nuts and bolts and how it works and how you identify, how you identify an isolated gene and how you then introduce it into a, a recipient organism, a plant for example. That was the wrong approach. I think you have to start with benefits. You have to 
explain what is in it for them. Then you can uh, go back and say that there's uh, no real environmental impact uh, that, that we can tell from the tests we've done. Then they may start asking questions about how is this done, but if you do it from the technology base, in my experience, uh, it does not work. You, we have to talk benefits. So this comes down to an area of how we communicate and educate people and have conversations because it's it's a it's a challenge as someone from the communications area it's a challenge to constantly talk at people if they if they have a political stand on it or a, a position on it which may be uh, ill-informed or based on questionable information it's how you work around to the point of going okay here are the facts now you go and make up your mind there's still a risk that they may make a, a, a an educated choice to go a different way but it's uh, it's that education piece which is clearly important both of you have been involved in uh, outreach to people outside of the industry how much of a challenge do you find that to be able to explain to them the benefits and and what this really does for us. I think that uh, Wilf had on a good point there was that some of the early stages we were not very good at explaining actually the benefits and, and chose to explain the technology so that we could alleviate any fears of showing that it was safe. And in doing so, we were unable to communicate through the emotional aspect of things where people are more worried about all the, well, especially in today's age of, of, uh, social media how this could be some sort of some sort of bioterrorism or it could be everything from uh, creating some sort of organism all the all the arguments that are there mm-hmm. that um, I think it's very important that we need to communicate uh, especially to now when we're building something or, or engineering something how it will actually benefit I mean places things like golden rice has been shut down for years and that had a, a huge benefit well, in our experience, and certainly based on surveys that we've done ourselves and, and read about, that there is a, a significant portion of the population that is for biotech or for technology, and, and they're willing to, to support it and go with it. Uh, there is a, another group on the other extreme that is totally opposed to that. It could be any technology in addition to uh, genetic uh, technologies. But there is a, a significant, and perhaps the majority of, of folks in that middle zone that are, are can be influenced, that want more information, that those are the people we need to reach out to and spend a lot more time with so that they can understand where this is going and how it fits into society as a whole. And these things often, they're not often sitting on, on their own as a cubbyhole. Uh, they're all interacting. So genetic engineering relates to crop improvement in the broad sense, uh, to managing everything through to carbon sequestration and and climate change management. We have to tell the full story and see how these pieces fit together. And this is why it was really important to me to talk about this topic, because if people are coming into this market or even considering coming into it, they may look at this and go, I'd love to work on this, but maybe I'm not uh, a part of an organization or going to be the organization that's out there communicating uh, on terms of benefits in that sense. But it shows the importance from early days in an organization how communication does fit into that journey. Um, before you both leave us today, I'd like to enable people to be able to connect with you directly. Um, Blaine, firstly, how can people get in touch with you? 
Uh, they can contact me th- through Saskatchewan Polytechnic, our website, in the bioscience program. And Wilf? Well, I think the best way to reach me is just to use our website at agwest.sk.ca. Startupville is brought to you by Innovation Place, helping grow the tech sector in Saskatchewan, Canada, and is produced in partnership with Martin Charlton Communications at wetellyourstories.ca. Our show is produced by me, Mike Wolsfeld, and our host, Dan Gold. Our theme music is from GG Riggs and Reactor Productions. Learn more about us and our guests at innovationplace.com slash startupville and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Startupville Pod. Don't forget to listen, subscribe, and review if you like the show. See you next time on Startupville.